1: What is going on everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. I appreciate you tuning in. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, And today we're going to talk about the 49ers Sunday night football week five matchup against none other than the Dallas Cowboys. And if you need to know nothing else, that's all you need to know is that it's 49ers versus Cowboys. And it's impossible not to get up for that in any way, shape or form of NFL fandom, no matter who your team is, no matter who you're rooting for just an absolute, what do you even a marquee NFL matchup? You know what I mean? Like just an, Everything you want the NFL to be is in this matchup in terms of history, in terms of rivalry, in terms of, you know, recent competitiveness and the 49ers knocking the Cowboys out of the playoffs over the past two years, producing so many memes of crying Dallas fans that have just entertained us over the years. It's just, it's everything you want. Elite uniform matchup. You've got red and gold versus white and blue and silver, you know, it, it's just it, it. It's all you want, you know. And the Dallas is Dallas is coming to Levi Stadium, so the 49ers are going to be in their Reds, I assume. It's just aesthetically pleasing, historically pleasing rivalry type matchup that just feels right for Sunday night football on prime time. I I mean, I don't need to tell you guys this stuff. It's it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a good game. It's going to feel like the playoffs. The ratings are going to be absolutely through the roof. Uh, It's going to be something. It's going to be something. Um, Before we get into that, let's touch on the fact that the 49ers are relatively healthy, probably at the healthiest they've been um, all season. I actually wanted to open up my official injury report. Let me see if I can pull it up fast enough. Let's see if I can get here. I've got the transcripts. All right, participation reports. Here we go. This is what I wanted. Uh, sorry if I'm a little rough, a little slow, a little rundown today. It's I'm recording this at 9.20 p.m. It's been a long day. I had my school day. I had football practice. Then I went straight from football practice to the big Fresno Fair um, to watch one of my students receive an award for winning um, best of show for any middle school in Clovis or Fresno, um, uh, best of show just means, you know, number one winners, uh, the, uh, the Lombardi trophy of that art show, which is, it's, it's a real honor for her. There are probably, I don't know, total a thousand pieces of artwork in this building, maybe more. They all get judged. They all get graded. They all get divided up into their categories and then they pick. Uh, best of show per per category there were only three awards given to middle schools like crafts ceramics and 2d art which is anything painting or drawing and she was uh best of show for uh, 2d art which is uh it's big time uh, if any of you the drawing is incredible for an eighth grade student 14 years old it is uh outstanding gives me a run for my money but if anybody would like to see the drawing you've got to hit me up on twitter i'm not gonna just post it but I know that y'all would, you know, a lot of people, you'd be impressed. It's, it's It really is quite good. It's a drawing. It's a white color pencil drawing on black paper of a French bulldog. Um, she titled it Frenchie and it's incredible. It's really good. But it, somebody's got to hit me up on Twitter and ask for it. I'm not just going to throw it on there and say, hey, look what my student did. Maybe I should. Maybe that makes me a bad teacher for not doing that. But if somebody hits me up on Twitter at Rob underscore louder and says, hey, You talked about that artwork on striking gold. What's it look like? You don't have to say exactly that, but I will uh, quote treat you and I'll show you, but I just, I don't know. I don't want to just post it, you know, and just look like I'm not so humble bragging in front of everybody. Even though it's not my artwork, I didn't draw it, but it is my student. So very cool. And then we went straight from that award show to, you know, we're at the fair. Let's get some freaking fair food. So me and my wife went and got, I got a huge ass corn dog. I got, um, we shared some, uh, some garlic fries, of course. And then on our way out, we got cream cheese cinnamon rolls, which are, uh, if you've ever had that like country fair, I don't know how widespread they are country fair, something like that brand, um, cream cheese cinnamon rolls, just unbelievable with, uh, bacon bits on top. Just absolutely mind blowing. I mean, Definitely trying to watch my figure. That's why I'm eating it, but just a hundred percent worth all the repercussions. Uh, and besides it's a once a year thing. Now I say that with a little bit of uh, me saying, that's a little bit of disingenuous because I just found out maybe a couple of years ago that, um, ACE hardware right down the street, about five minutes away has a freezer where it has six, you know, full of pans that carry six of those cinnamon rolls, like prepackaged, ready to go. All you got to do is put them in the oven and then you flip them over onto a pan, and then you put the icing on it. All it comes with all of it, and they taste just as good as what you get at the fair. So maybe I've had have had one or two more than just once a year, but still, I mean, I, you got to go easy because those things are rich. Anyways, I suppose we should talk about football, especially on a, about a Week Five Dallas Cowboys matchup. I started to talk about injuries, and then I just trailed off. Um, So for Thursday, uh, center John Feliciano still is not practicing. He's in concussion protocol, but he has been seen working out on the side field, so things seem to be looking up for him. Uh, Just serves as a backup role. Uh, And then you've got running back Elijah Mitchell, who is the number two behind Chris McCaffrey, banged up his knee last week in practice, kind of a surprise addition to the injury report. I don't say surprise as if it's a surprise Elijah Mitchell got hurt. We know that that has become a common occurrence in his career, but it was a surprise addition at the time. We knew nothing about it. Then, bam, he injured his knee in practice. So uh, he is still not participating. Limited is linebacker Dre, Dre Greenlaw, who's dealing with an ankle injury. Wide receiver Juwan Jennings, who's dealing with a shin. Wide receiver Debo Samuel, ribs, knee. Cornerback Charverius ward heel. I expect all four of them to play in the game. Um, and then for Dallas, Dallas has quite a bit more names on their injury report. As far as does not participate in practice on Thursday, you had tight end Peyton Hendershot with an ankle um, on Thursday. You had a uh, limited participation is linebacker Damone Clark, safety Malik Hooker and linebacker Mika Parsons. Um, I, I'm assuming those guys are going to play too. Man, Malik Hooker reading that name. I remember me and Chris Biederman were very into Uh, the Malik Hooker hype uh, in 2017 and the 49ers first draft pick, we probably both would have taken Malik Hooker over Solomon Thomas. Um, I'm not sure either of those would be considered a home run pick, but I mean, I don't know. They're both still in the league, Solomon Thomas and Malik Hooker. So whatever. So a relatively mild injury report for both teams. Both teams are facing each other relatively healthy, which is a good thing. And, we're just going to start breaking this down piece by piece because both of these teams are very impressive. Both of them are – I don't think either of these teams being 4-1 is any sort of a fluke. If anything, you could say that Dallas has won their matchups in a bit more convincing fashion than the 49ers have. When you take a look at it, 40-0 over the over the Giants. That was very impressive. 30 to 10 over the the Jets, at, you know, the Jets that are kind of in shambles, but at the very least, they've got a decent defense and the Cowboys dropped 30 points on them. And then they laid a stinker against the Cardinals, who the 49ers beat convincingly. We all watch that, though. The the uh, Cowboys got manhandled by the Cardinals. That was just kind of an odd game. it 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 was a good game for the Cardinals. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell you that wasn't the Cowboys, but every other matchup for the Cowboys, you're talking about a 40-0 win against the Giants, a 30-10 win against the Jets, and a 38-3 win against the Patriots. I believe the Cowboys scored two defensive touchdowns in that game. If you look at the defensive box score, it's uh, it's littered with with quite a bit of success. You've got two sacks. You've got four tackles for loss. You've got uh, two interceptions. You've got five pass breakups. You got one fumble recovery, and I believe two of those was four touchdowns. So Dallas defense, um, despite losing digs for the season, is still very game, still very uh, statistically capable. They held – you know what's – such a weird game to look at this patriots and cowboys game statistically. Uh, I wish it would have been something that I went back and watched a little more in detail. Um man, patriots. That is uh I believe Mac Jones ended up getting benched in that game and, in and replaced by Zaph. Uh, I can't remember his first name, but damn. The Mac Jones train is not doing well. Remember when he was supposed to get drafted by the 49ers third overall? Now, again, It's not like the 49ers have a whole lot to hang their hat on in terms of that whole situation because Trey Lance is now with the Cowboys, giving them all his secret information. Kyle Shanahan replied to that notion with, I mean, I hope they're they're spending time listening to what Trey has to say rather than just watching the tape, Um, which was a pretty straightforward answer from Shanahan, basically discounting any value that he thought Trey Lance brought to the To the Cowboys and and could provide them in terms of giving them an edge. I don't know how genuine that is, but it's certainly not anything that Kyle Shanahan's worried about in terms of quarterbacks. You've got Brock Purdy. You know, before we get into Cowboys, I feel like every week we've got to touch on this new some new Purdy disrespect that's being leveled against the guy that has done nothing but succeed since getting into the NFL. You know what's crazy is we we talked about this not too long ago, but if you just go to and these don't tell the whole story, but I kind of feel like it's, it's worth checking back in with them every now and then. If you go to Brock Purdy's regular season statistics, and then you've got his, where's his playoff statistics? I kind of want them all. Let's just stick with regular season for now, just to make it easy. We'll get in there. In the regular season, in, Brock Purdy's played in a total of 11 full games when you include the playoffs. Uh, I'm not including the Eagles game in which he was knocked out in the first quarter. Um, But just in those regular season games, Brock Purdy is 9-0. He's never lost a regular season game. He has completed 195 of 282 passes. That's just under 70%. That's also 69%, which is nice. Um, He's thrown those passes for 2,393 yards. 18 touchdowns and four interceptions. Now, if you go back and look, you know, if you back it up, nine games, that's just a tad over half of a 17-game season. So when you just kind of loosely multiply everything by two, and again, this isn't perfectly accurate, but you would be looking at a quarterback that has, I mean, gone undefeated for a regular season if you're multiplying this stuff by two. Again, we you, you guys know that's not how it works. I don't have to tell you that, but we're just playing around here. He would be a quarterback that hadn't lost a game, was completing 69% of his passes for roughly 4,700 yards, 36 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. Now, even if you look at Purdy's four interceptions, one of those was like an arm punt on fourth down, and another one I think bounced off the hands of Jawan Jennings. Um, So you're looking at a a player that just does not turn the ball over very often. He's also got some rushing touchdowns to his name, um three of them. So there's another three touchdowns to add to Purdy. And then you could jump over to game logs if you if you'd like to and go to the fact that even in the postseason, you know, he he's his statistics carried on. Against Seattle, he threw for three hundred and thirty-two yards and three touchdowns against Seattle. So he added another three interceptions. He did not throw an interception the entire playoffs. Uh he didn't throw a passing touchdown against the Cowboys, but he did. Oh, he also rushed for one against Seattle that I'm missing. So, all right, you you don't know I mean? need me to dance around this anymore. Brock Purdy is playing. That's just from a basic statistical standpoint. And to me, watching him play is more impressive than talking about his statistics, which are impressive. You're talking about a dude that is leading the entire NFL in quarterback rating. Which is ESPN's? So then you, he's leading the entire NFL in passer rating, which is kind of like the general snap that everybody else follows. Uh, you're talking, you know, you go. Uh, Kyle Madison was was talking about this recently of the Candlestick Chronicles podcast. He was talking about how good Brock Purdy has been in the intermediate passing area, which is you know kind of where we've seen Brock Purdy excel. Kind of where we see Brandon Ayuk excel. Kyle says. Um, Purdy's numbers, particularly in the intermediate area, 10 of 19 yards beyond the line of scrimmage, were astronomical last year. He completed 83% of his intermediate throws from week 13 through the playoffs. He also tossed three touchdowns and one interception in that stretch. The NFL's leader in completion rate on those throws was Deshaun Watson at 68%. Purdy was at 83%. This is That's that's crazy. Jimmy Garoppolo's best mark with the 49ers was 65 percent in 2021 with 10 touchdowns and 87 and eight interceptions. Let me bounce back. Jimmy Garoppolo's best mark in intermediate throws was 65 percent, 10 touchdowns, eight interceptions. You go back up to Purdy. He's at 83 percent, three touchdowns and one interception. And I also liked that uh, Nick Wagner of ESPN wrote about this. Uh, you know, one thing we talked about at the pod, a lot of people brought up is, well, what if Brock Purdy gets worse? And, and that seemed like almost an accepted outcome. Like can't, because he played so good in 2022 slash 23 season. Now we're in the next following season and it, he's actually playing better. Kyle says somehow the second year quarterback has gotten better in that area through four weeks of season according to pff purdy is 22 of 24 for 385 yards and two touchdowns on medium depth throws in 2023 that's essentially 92% bringing his total mark up to 86% six weeks since week 13 of last season He's thrown for 965 yards, an average of 15 yards per attempt, and has five touchdown passes to just one interception. It's reaching a sample size that trends towards sustainability for Purdy and the 49ers passing attack. Kyle, still talking here. This is still Kyle Matson of the Candlestick Chronicles podcast. Perhaps this is on NinersWire.com. Perhaps even more important to San Francisco's offense through uh, – had. More important to San Francisco's offense, though, has been Purdy's deep throws, 20-plus yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Last year, he was 11 of 27, 346 yards, with four touchdowns and one interception. This year, Purdy is 5 of 10, 453 yards with two touchdowns and no interceptions. So, long story short, on throws that speak to Purdy's aggressiveness, on throws that quarterbacks start to find difficult, They're not deep throws, but they're intermediate throws, and they're outside. They're beyond that, I think he said it was eight to something yards. I I just clicked out of it. That's where Purdy's excelling. So whenever you hear someone lay out some type of excuse, whether it's being a dink and dunk quarterback or just taking what Kyle Shanahan is giving him or always using, he's got all these skill position players, great players around him. you got to understand that Brock Purdy is elevating the offense he's making Kyle Shanahan's system better and he's making the throws that are more challenging than what he has to accept especially with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield one of the worst absolute worst takes you can see on any NFL forum whatever it is is that Purdy is some type of system quarterback well newsflash everybody I have something I'd like to share with you Every quarterback plays in a system. They all do. Some of them are good systems. Some of them are shitty systems. Some of them are just systems. Finding a reason to say system one more time just because I can, and this is my goddamn podcast. Purdy just happens to be in a good system. So are many other quarterbacks. And guess what? If Purdy was in a shittier system, he wouldn't be as good. That's how football works. You don't get to penalize a quarterback for just being in a good system. They just That just means they get to win games. Patrick Mahomes is in Andy Reid's system. Do you think that's a good a good system for a quarterback? Still getting to say system is exciting. It's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. You know what else is dumb, and this is completely out of left field. I'm here to educate y'all, and I know most of you guys probably already know this. Again, completely out of left field. When a corner is covering a receiver and he gets flagged for pass interference, it's not because he didn't turn and look for the ball. If I have to hear one more NFL analyst commentator say this, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. You don't have to look for the ball. You just can't run over the receiver. You've already heard my thoughts on these back shoulder slash underthrown balls that are basically uncatchable anyways, but just because the receiver turns around and slows down and runs into the corner sl- slash corner runs in the receiver, it's pass interference. Those are ticky tack to me, but I don't really have a solution to that, so I'm not worried about it. What I'm saying is a corner never has to get his head around to look for the ball. In fact, the vast majority of corners are taught If you're not in absolute perfect coverage and you're not running along the hip of that receiver, then don't look for the ball because looking for the ball when you're not in perfect position is going to get you beat. Sure. Look for the ball. You're just going to watch it fly into the hands of the receiver. You only look for the ball when you're in perfect position. And if you're not in perfect position, then you're playing the eyes and you're playing the body and you're playing the hands of the receiver. Now that does not mean you get to just run into them and impede them and interfere with them. But the fact that, and I heard it so many times tonight on Thursday Night Football, they just randomly verbal diarrhea out. Oh, well, he didn't find the ball. That's not why. It's because they ran into the receiver. You don't just magically escape a penalty when you turn around and look for the ball. That's not how it works. You just can't run into the damn receiver or interfere with him or hold him or whatever you want but it's not because he didn't turn and look for the ball. Okay, I'm sorry. I know that was completely out of nowhere, but I hope you appreciated that. So uh, again, Brock Purdy is playing an incredible brand of football to the point where I accidentally said the word bland there to the point where it seems bland to him. And do I think it's going to seem bland to Purdy against against the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football? No, I don't because they are going to be throwing the absolute gauntlet at him and, and and a lot of times they are going to succeed, and we're going to get to see how Purdy reacts to that. Purdy's gone against this Dallas defense before, and they did a pretty good job of limiting what Purdy can and can't, you know, could and couldn't do. Last uh, uh, last playoffs where Purdy played um, against the Cowboys, he completed of nineteen of twenty nine. That's sixty five percent for two hundred and fourteen yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. That was it, but the four, I believe the 49ers had a couple of rushing touchdowns. They won 19 to 12, um, and the 49ers did their thing. Rock Purdy took care of the football. That's to me more importantly, again, more important against defense like Dallas is. not necessarily how many touchdowns can you score, but how many turnovers can you not commit? That's where I'm at with Purdy. So again, just closing things up on Purdy. He's, he's everything Kyle Shanahan wants in this offense. He's a pocket quarterback. That will stand there and throw it to the person that he's supposed to throw it to. That's the only way to describe how somebody can go into a, a football game and complete 20 of 21 passes. And his only incompletion was a throwaway. The dude is playing football exactly how you have to. He's not taking the easy throws. He's outstanding on intermediate routes. He was outstanding. He's even solid on deep passes. He was extremely solid on deep passes against the Cardinals. He has the athleticism and the quickness and the escapability to, uh, to make defenders miss when things get weird in the pocket. I just I think we're, we're moving beyond the point where we, we need to stop finding excuses for Purdy. And if he has a bad game, he has a bad game, but he's had so many good games in a row and at, at the very least decent games, whatever you want to call them, that we can, we can go ahead and stop coming up for excuses as to why he might be good. I mean, Stephen Ruiz of the Ringer podcast, like, I'll let you wander into that. I mean, he just took pride in saying some of the dumbest shit I have ever heard from a mouth talking about the NFL. I mean, when somebody asked him about Purdy, he literally let off with, I've watched the film and like, he's not doing anything you either haven't watched the film or you watch the film as good as Ray Charles, Charles would watch the film. So it, it's just, it's just disappointing. Like, and I'm not here to tell you that Brock Purdy is the next Patrick Mahomes. I'm not even here to tell you he's an elite quarterback, but he's playing damn good. And the fact that people have to literally do mental gymnastics like elite mental gymnastics, like Olympic level gym, mental gymnastics. To find a way to discredit Purdy for, from playing well is just like, it's, it's mind boggling, but all right, let's get into a little bit more Cowboys than what we've gotten into. Kind of like just some general, my general feelings on the game, because I would have what I basically boil it down to is I have, Concerns with the 49ers team that happen to directly match up with Dallas's defensive strengths. If you were to ask me what's my first concern against the Cowboys for the 49ers, I would say the 49ers offensive line, particularly the right side with second year offensive guard, Spencer Burford, who has an ungodly pass, uh, pass blocking grade. Right now, from Pro Football Focus, I think it's like 14 out of 100. Horrible. I don't think he's been that bad, but maybe. I mean, I just am not exa- entirely sure how Pro Football Focus grades their offensive linemen. But that's his grade. I'm not sure what Colton McKivitz is. But if if you're talking about a line that features Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Spencer Burford, and Colton McKivitz the right side is where they're going to send it. And it's not going to surprise me at all if we get a heavy, heavy dose of Demarcus Lawrence and Mika Parsons. Is it Mika or Micah? Micah Parsons, right? Micah Parsons coming through the right side of the 49ers defense. And you know what? I'm sure Kyle Shanahan expects that too. And so the Dallas is going to have to get creative or somebody like Kyle Shanahan is going to use that to his advantage. And he, you know, we, we talk about going back to the Giants game where the Giants blitzed at just an unbelievable rate and they just started getting punished for it. At first, it kind of shocked Purdy and the 49ers offense didn't look great to start that game. But then he started moving. He started going. He started figuring it out. He started finding his hots. He started adjusting his reads. He his, his, started adjusting his targets. You know, who was going to go where? Because when you know when you're getting blitzed, you just don't have the time. So it it wouldn't, it's not the Dallas Cowboys are going to be blitzing, but if they are going to be sending those players forward, you know, without a care in the world, I'm sure that Purdy and the 49ers will find a way. Just to remind you, Purdy completed 25 of 37 passes. That's almost 68% for 310 yards and two touchdowns against the Giants. So, and again, that was a team that was just blitzing out of their mind to get to Purdy. And it just didn't really work out for them. So my first area of concern for the 49ers is how their offensive line is going to handle DeMarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. My second concern for the 49ers is their secondary. You've got this mixed mix mass. I, I, I wish I could speak. I really did. I just, I just wish I could. You've got this mixed match corners that are still outside of Charverius Ward are still kind of competing for a role? Do you have Isaiah Oliver, at Nickel, and Ambry Thomas on the outside? Ambry Thomas, uh, last game against the Cardinals, gave up quite a few plays on the outside. Do you go Deamador Lenore on the outside and keep Isaiah Oliver in at slot? Do you go Deamador Lenore in the slot and Ambry Thomas on the outside? All of these three 49ers cornerbacks opposite Traverius Ward, Amy Thomas, DeAmador, Lenore and Isaiah Oliver all have similar statistics. I don't think any of them have given up a touchdown, but they've all given up plenty of passes. I want to say Isaiah Oliver's like total yardage as far as yards per completion is probably the lowest out of the three, but uh, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure on that. I'd have to look, but That's where, you know, and you're talking about a 49ers concern that matches up directly with a Dallas Cowboys strength. So if you go over to the Dallas Cowboys receivers, you've got CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. CeeDee Lamb's already caught 30 passes, excuse me, 23 passes for 309 yards and one touchdown. Similar statistics to like Brandon Ayuk, if you need a comparison. Brandon Ayuk has 17 catches for 320 yards and two touchdowns. So in the neighborhood of each other, if you're talking about trying to gauge just how talented Lamb has been for the Cowboys. Uh, Gallup has 17 catches for 165 yards and no touchdowns. And Jake Ferguson, their tight end, has 17 catches for 20 uh, for 147 yards and a touchdown. So you've got three primary pass catchers for the Cowboys in CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Jake Ferguson going against a secondary that just, I'm not quite sure what to expect. Charverius Ward has been good. Um, but when it comes to Isaiah Oliver, when it comes to Ambry Thomas, when it comes to Diamondor Lenore, we have no idea who's going to step up because the Dallas offense will be perfectly happy to just ignore Charvarius Ward if if he really is that strong. C.D. Lamb plays like three quarters of the snaps in the slot. So if it is Isaiah Oliver, he's going to have his hands full. Uh, Oliver versus Lamb, if that is the matchup, is going to be a key matchup that may help decide this game. And my third 49ers concern is their defensive line. And I'm not talking about the 49ers defensive line. Like it's really that big of a deal, but it's just not playing up to the potential that we expected to see. You know, I mean, they just, they just, the numbers haven't been there. Nick Bosa's got one sack through four games. and you go to the other players along the defensive front and nobody's really just standing out. Let me sort this based on sack yardage. Javon Hargrave. I mean, if there's one person, I, I should walk that back a little bit. If there's one person that is standing out. It's the guy they paid uh, rough over $20 million a year year towards four this offseason, and that's Javon Hargrave. He's already got three sacks. Drake Jackson got three sacks, but that was all in week one. That doesn't make it less impressive, but he has not gotten a sack since week one. Nick Bosa has one sack. Um, Kerry Hyder has one, and that's it. There are no more sacks to be had in terms of defensive linemen, Kerry Heider, one Nick Bosa, one Drake Jackson, three in week one. And then Javon Hargraves have been, have been spread out. You have no sacks from Eric Armstead. You have no sacks from Cleveland Farrell. You have no sacks from, uh, from Javon Kinlaw and, or any of the, the backup defensive linemen from there backwards. So, that is a concern to me because Dak Prescott is not the greatest under pressure. His numbers under pressure are not outstanding. And they're going to be looking to get the ball out quickly, which is going to kind of compound things. When you've got a matchup like CD Lamb in the slot against Isaiah Oliver, I would, I would assume the ball is going to be out pretty quick. And if the 49ers defense can't generate consistent pressure and can't get to Dak Prescott, um, it's going to be a long afternoon. Yeah, evening, excuse me. So I'm interested to see how that unfolds, and I think that a reason I included area of uh, the 49ers' defensive line as an area of concern is just that to me it almost feels like the entire game hinges upon that matchup. Can the 49ers' defensive line get to Dak Prescott consistently enough to throw off whatever they're trying to do and or stop the run enough? Because Tony Pollard has been a consistent element of success. For the Cowboys. I mean, even in a dominant win over the Patriots, he still had 11 carries for 47 yards and that's 4.7 yards a pop. And if you go further back than that to the stats from every game, I'm just trying to find just the Dallas Cowboys games, but the way the NFL's official stat page is laid out, it gets real confusing against the Cardinals. Even in a loss, totally. Even in a loss, Tony Pollard had 23 carries for 122 yards. If you, and I think in week 1 and 2 he had uh um about 70 yards apiece. He's averaging over 4 yards a carry this season. So not only do the 49ers defensive line have to get to Dak Prescott, but they've got to contain Tony Pollard because I don't think the Dallas I don't think Dallas's offense is really operating at full strength if Tony Pollard is not is not getting some carries. All right. Um, we've got, we're going to finish this off with some players to watch, and then we're going to get into just some basic Dallas, uh, defensive comps and offensive comps to the 49ers. And then we're going to get out of here. Um, before we get into those things, we got to talk prize picks and, uh, we're going to talk about my picks right now. Okay. Um, I to mean, I'll squeeze in the prize picks, you know, ad because that's what we've got to do. But at first I'm going to, I'm going to give you my three picks. I'm going with another power play my art last year didn't work, or excuse me, last week didn't work out. I had uh Matt Prater having more than four and a half kicking points. He had four. Um, I had Christian McCaffrey going more than 113 total yards and he went way over that. Jake Moody, I had him is getting for more than one and a half field goals made. He didn't even get one. And I had Brock Purdy passing for less than 225 passing yards. And he went, uh, well over that at two fifty-five. So Last week was not good for me, but last week was a power play. I'm going power play again, except this time I'm bumping it down to three players. I'm going – my first player is wide receiver Brandon Ayuk with Debo Samuel still uh, dealing with that rib injury. He wasn't even targeted in the pass game last week uh, against the Cardinals. I'm taking Brandon Ayuk to have more than 55 receiving yards. That seems like an easy choice, uh, especially with Trayvon Diggs out. Um, I think Brandon Ayuk is gonna is going to do well. I also picked Brock Purdy to have less than 243 passing yards. Um, I don't necessarily think that's the game that the 49ers want to get into when it comes to versus the Cowboys. I think they want to have a pretty steady blend of pass and run. If Brock Purdy goes over 243 passing yards, either uh, Dallas defense didn't show up or it's kind of the 49ers are playing from behind and are having to throw the ball a lot. I just, if this game goes the way the 49ers want it to, I don't think Brock Purdy has to pass for more than 243 receiving yards. And my last pick is I think Tony Pollard, Dallas running back, is going to rush for more than 56 yards. I think even if he rushes for more than 56 yards, um, the 49ers are still doing okay. Um, I just think that Dallas relies more on their run game than even the 49ers do at this point. And uh, I do expect Tony Pollard to get his... And again, that's not an indi- indictment of the 49ers' defensive front or defensive performance. I just think that um, he's going to get that 50 56 yards. So, Prize Fix. If you don't know already, we're sponsored by Prize Fix, and Prize Fix is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy port sports. All you do, you jump on, you pick your players, you pick more or less of any given statistic between two to six players, and you watch the winnings roll in. Um, I like Prize picks because it's so simple. I can make my picks and submit them in like 60 seconds. You jump on there, you search for the team you want to make a pick for, uh, and you roll away. What you got to do is you got to go to com slash gold and use promo code gold for a first deposit match up to a hundred bucks. So if you're feeling spicy and you get in there and you deposit a hundred bucks, Prize fix is going to put another hundred dollars in your account for a grand total of 200, okay? Again, that's prizefixcom slash gold, and you're gonna use the promo code GOLD when you make your first deposit. Um, PrizePix is daily fantasy sports made easy, and when they say that, they mean it. It really is easy. It really is, okay? It's, it, and, it, and it's a lot of fun. Even when I'm not exactly hitting grand slams on PrizePix Power Plays, I'm still having a good time. So get on up on it. Again, one quick recap. I'm going Brandon Ayuk, more than 55 receiving yards. Brock Purdy, less than 243 passing yards. And Tony Pollard, more than 56 rushing yards. Three pick, power play, $10 to win 50. Let's see how I do. I feel good about it. I feel good about it. All right, so players to watch. Obviously on Dallas, you're looking at Mika Parsons. Somebody that is one of the best defensive players in all of football, somebody that is, was in contention with Nick Bosa for the defensive player of a year last year. So far through the season, Mika Parsons has 14 total tackles. He has four sacks and six tackles for loss. He's got himself a pass breakup. He's got himself a forced fumble and he's got himself a fumble recovery. So he is on on a heater. And then right behind him, Excuse me, you've got Demarcus Lawrence, who also has two sacks, nine total tackles, four tackles for loss. He's got his own pass breakup as well, and uh, and that's it for him. But between those two, you know, those are the two players on that defensive front that are really coming after the 49ers. And then you've also got um, – I don't know how to spell his name. His first name is Osa. Odigizua? Odigizua? I don't, I don't think I messed that up too bad, actually. He's got another three sacks and another 11 total tackles. So you've got three players on the Dallas defensive front that are coming hard. That's Mika Parsons and DeMarcus Lawrence. And then obviously Dak Prescott's Dak Prescott's Prescott, What the hell am I talking about? Again, it's been a long day. I'm coming up on 10 p.m. and I've been essentially talking all day. So I'm trying. I, I dread the idea of losing my voice again, but as you can tell, it's already, it's already on the way out. Um, obviously, we're all going to be watching Dak Prescott. Uh, How does he play under pressure? How does he play knowing the 49ers have got the best of him the past two years? Last year, he coming off a year with so many turnovers. Let me see if it lets me. Yes, 2020. No, not 2022 postseason, 2022 regular season. Last year, Dak Prescott threw for 23 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. So he's coming off a season where he probably threw more interceptions than he ever has. And even in the postseason, he threw another two interceptions. So Dak Prescott likes to turn the ball over. The 49ers are going to have that task in front of them, get Dak Prescott to turn the ball over. And so that's what makes him a player to watch. How is he going to handle being on the road in what we know is a tough road environment? Levi Stadium isn't, you know, 49ers fans have really turned it up at Levi Stadium lately. Now that brings you to another question, how many 49ers fans are going to be in Levi's Stadium? Because I've seen that, play, that stadium packed with Dallas fans before. And I understand that 49ers fans travel well to Dallas, but I, th- I think Dallas fans travel well to Levi's as well. So keep an eye on that. Um, I think Dallas Prescott is an easy player to watch for Dallas if he can turn it up and take advantage of a 49ers secondary that's not exactly stellar. Um, that's giving up quite a bit in the past game. You guys will see that in the stat comparisons. I'm going to rattle off later in the pod. Um, There there is a window of opportunity here for Prescott against the 49ers defense that uh, if they don't get their front moving, he's going to have his chances. And last but certainly not least is CeeDee Lamb. Their uh, their leading receiver, 309 yards through four games. He's going to be in the slot most of the game. He's going to be matched up against... Whoever the 49ers deem worthy of 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 going against. And uh I think if the downless defense is truly going to inflict damage on the 49ers, it's going to be through CD Lamb. And if the 49ers decide to emphasize CD Lamb, they've got Michael Gallup, who's a very solid receiver. And then you've got Brandon Cooks. I don't know where he's at. I thought I'd read something about an injury at some point for Brandon Cooks, but I'm not entirely sure. He hasn't been having that great of a season, 15 catches for 66 yards, but we know he's somebody that can, that can cause damage either way. And again, Jake Ferguson, 17 catches for 147 yards. That's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, you compare that to George Kittle, who we know is he's Jake Ferguson's essentially having uh, the same season as George Kittle right now, 14 catches for 148 yards. So through the air, Ferguson is having as big of an impact as, as Kittle is. On the 49ers, we already talked about this. Cold McKivitz and Spencer Burford are two players to watch. How, how well are they going to be able to hold up against this Dallas pass rush? And are they going to get Brock Purdy in a rough spot? I'm not going to mention, you know, the game. That wasn't this that wasn't Cold McKivitz in the game, but 49ers fans don't want to hear about pressure being coming in from the right side. I promise you that. So the pressure is on for Colton McKivitz. The pressure's on for Nick Bosa too, who up until this point only has one sack. We talked about that already. He's got eight total tackles and one sack. That's it. A few tackles for lost add in there. No force fumbles just hasn't really made the impact we've come to expect from Bosa so far, but I mean, it's Bosa the cool thing about this game and this is more for superstitious folk, but the 49ers defensive line hasn't really had a breakout game yet. Are they going to have it against Dallas? It certainly would be well-timed, but you know, maybe, maybe you can hedge your bets on that. Another player I have to watch is Debo Samuel. What kind of impact is he going to have in this game? We've seen the things he's done to Dallas in the, in, in the past, obviously most famously, him yelling at Kyle Shanahan on the sideline to give him the ball. Kyle Shanahan gives him the ball, and he proceeds to score a 20-something yard touchdown on a uh, on like a little screen pass, takes it to the house. Uh, Debo Samuel's still working uh, against those, those rib injuries. That rib injury, how much is that going to affect him? How is he going to be featured? Um, or is it going to be more of the Brandon Ayuk show? Uh, is Debo Samuel going to be more of like a decoy like he was last week against the Cardinals? We'll see. We'll see, but obviously he's a huge chunk of this offense when he's out there, and uh, the 49ers really could use a player like Debo-, Debo to just take a little bit of the heat off Christian McCaffrey, who, as we all know, is playing a ton, a ton of snaps. Okay, we are going to do a very quick offensive and defensive stat comparison between the 49ers and the Cowboys, and then we're going to get out of here. Basically, every base stat that they make available we compare the two teams. I'm going to rattle them off, and then we're going to get out of here. And uh, the next time you will hear from me, will be uh, on the morning after the Cowboys and 49ers game. Okay, we can start on offense. The Dallas Cowboys, I'm always going to start with what the Dallas Cowboys are, and then I'll give you what the 49ers are in comparison. Okay, it'll be pretty quick. Ready, go. Dallas Cowboys are sixth in completion percentage. This is offensive. The 49ers are third. The Dallas Cowboys are 19th. In yards per attempt, the 49ers are second. The Dallas Cowboys are 16th in passing yards, 49ers ninth. Cowboys 21st in passing touchdowns, 49ers 16th. Dallas Cowboys have thrown one interception. The 49ers have thrown none. The or the Dallas Cowboys are 13th in, ra- in passer rating. The 49ers are second. Uh, the Cowboys have given up six sacks. The 49ers have given up seven. The Cowboys have twenty sixth in yards per reception, excuse me, 27th. The 49ers are third. Big discrepancy there. Dallas is seventh in rushing yards. The 49ers are third. The Dallas is 17th in yards per carry. The 49ers are seventh. Dallas is 12th in rushing touchdowns and the 49ers are second. So in terms of a difference in output. I'm not going to say a mismatch because the 49ers offense doesn't go up against the Dallas offense in that respect, but in terms of a difference in quality and a difference in output, the 49ers offense is drastically better than the Dallas's offense. But if I remember correctly, a lot of Dallas's defensive statistics look that way in comparison to the 49ers. So let's get into that right now. Dallas's defense is fifth in yards per attempt in the air. This is all passing statistics. Fifth in yards per attempt. The 49ers are third. Dallas is third in completion percentage. The 49ers are 17th. Dallas is second in yards allowed through the air. 49ers are 17th. Dallas is second in passing touchdowns allowed. The 49ers are 13th. Dallas is second in interceptions. The 49ers are sixth. Dallas is sixth in sacks. On defense. The 49ers are 24th. And then we've got rushing defense. Dallas is 16. This is when it starts to tilt back towards the 49ers. Dallas is 16 and 16th in rushing yards allowed. The 49ers are third. Dallas is 26 in yards per carry allowed. 49ers are 10th. Both teams have given up two rushing touchdowns. Um, Dallas has two touchdowns off interceptions, the 49ers have zero. And Dallas has one touchdown off of fumbles, the 49ers have zero. My biggest things where were the first two. Dallas is 16th in rushing yards allowed, the 49ers are third. Dallas is 26 in yards per carry, 49ers are 10th. So through the air, the Dallas seems to have a much, much better defense. What well, I think that's attributed largely to their effective pass rush. On the ground, the 49ers defense is much more stout than Dallas's. Um, I saw some kind of advanced statistic posted by somebody on Twitter that was kind of refuting that with one of those little graphs where you've got an X and teams are kind of spattered all over the place. Um, but as far as the basic statistics go, and as far as the statistics, statistics that we have time to look at, <laughs> um, that's about all we need to get into Um, In the end, uh, it's going to come down to which team, I mean, to be cliche, it's going to come down to which team finds a way to establish what they believe their rhythm is first. Is the 49ers rhythm uh, a very steady dose of Christian McCaffrey? Is it letting Brock Purdy rip it and deal down the field against the Dallas secondary that if the pass rushing isn't get home, probably is not as strong. I mean, that could be said for any secondary, but you just got to think, what do the 49ers want to do? I would probably say they probably want to be pretty balanced. They probably want to go 50-50 because Purdy has been playing so well. They probably want to go 50-50 between McCaffrey and whoever Purdy's throwing the ball to. Dallas, on the other hand, I think that they want to run the ball. I think that they – and the 49ers have been just okay. They've not been bad against the run. We've just seen lately – especially against the Cardinals. I think James Conner, he only went for 50-something yards, but he averaged, I want to say, over five yards a carry. So that's not necessarily to say the 49ers are bad against the run, but I think Dallas wants to run the ball. They want to get Tony Pollard going, and they want to kind of just have Dak and the passing attack supplement that, especially when they know that Dak is, is turnover prone for the most part. So if the 49ers can stop the run and they can get the Cowboys to start focusing on their pass attack and the 49ers defensive front start making something happen. I think that's where the 49ers want to be. And then uh, like i like to said on offense. They want to go about 50, 50. They don't want to put it all on Brock Purdy. They certainly don't want to put it all on Christian McCaffrey. But if, if the Dallas defense is struggling against the run, like they have, then maybe the 49ers are perfectly content letting Purdy or excuse me, McCaffrey, and maybe a little bit of Debo if he's healthy, and maybe Jordan Mason, and maybe Ty Davis-Price if he's active. It wouldn't surprise me if he was uh, for this matchup. Let them take them down the field and let Purdy take his shots a little more sparingly. So it's kind of just my general wrap-up on the sense. I never really do predictions on these game previews. I do think the 49ers are the better team. I do think the 49ers win. I would be surprised if it's if it's not close, though. Like, if the 49ers whip ass, I, I would be surprised by that. That would really impress me um, if the 49ers were able to dominantly defeat the Cowboys like the Cardinals did. You know, if the 49ers beat the Cowboys like the Cardinals did, then I'm impressed. As weird as that is to say, the 49ers are a much better team than the Cardinals. But I think that Dallas Cowboys just thought they could sleep sleepwalk their way through that game, and they got punched in the mouth. Um. Just think about that, man. Just sleepwalking somewhere and then somebody just punches you in the face. Like, that's crazy. Um. I don't expect that, the 49ers, to be able to do that. And I think that this Dallas game is such a huge point for the 49ers. Their schedule up until this point has been just okay. You know, no, none of the teams the 49ers have beaten have really been all that impressive. You know, the Steelers haven't been great. The Giants haven't been great. The Cardinals haven't been great. Uh, I missed somebody in there, but it's okay. It, it It's just, do I want to keep hanging on to the idea that the 49ers have to beat, excuse me, the Rams, um, even though that game was a little closer than you wanted it to be? Um, 49ers essentially, you know, they face the Steelers, Rams, Giants, Cardinals. None of those teams are really making anybody nervous, especially the Giants. Jesus, what do they give up, 11 sacks or something to the Seahawks? That's unbelievable. But the 49ers are entering into a tough stretch of games. They've got Dallas, they've got Browns, they've got Vikings, they've got Bengals, who maybe they'll get it together by then. They're into a, entering into a three-game stretch that will really define what this team really is. Are they really the best team in the NFL, just charging their way forward towards a deep playoff push? Or are they solid um, but not unbeatable? Um, or are we overrating them a little bit based on the opponents they've already faced? Again, it's, um, Cowboys at Levi's stadiums, Levi's stadiums, most multiple stadiums. Then they're traveling to the Browns and then they're back at Levi's facing the, uh, right. They're in Levi's for that. No at Vikings, excuse me. So they've got this Cowboys game, a huge proving point for the team. And then they've got two away games at the Browns and at the Vikings. Both long travels. So this this three-game stretch is really going to, I think, go a long way in defining just how good and just how ready these 49ers are. And shit, just how ready Brock Purdy is to go into some really pressure-filled, tough matchups against good teams. He's done it already. We just know that everybody wants to see him do it more. And the more he does it, the more everybody's going to believe it. Um, but, um, I mean, if 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 Purdy goes out there and deals against the Cowboys, a lot of people are just just going to shut up. I promise you. They will just they will just get quiet because they realize there's really nothing else left to say. Not that you needed to, not that there were any excuses leading up to this point, but I mean, it's it's a Cowboys defense that is very game and if the 49ers can roll through them, it's uh it's getting real. But all right. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to this voice for another hour. I I was hoping my voice was going to hold up a little better. It's been just okay. And I was getting so excited because I thought it had gotten better. And then another week of coaching and you're like, "Mm." but we'll get there. We'll get there. I feel like it's slowly recovering last or or this week's earlier. Go listen to my earlier pod this week. I sounded pretty good guys. Like, Come on. Just feel for me. Okay. I'm just kidding. It's fine. I'll be fine. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for supporting supporting the pod. If you want to give give a little bit more love, jump on whatever app you're listening to the podcast. Leave us a five star review. Um, you know, give us your piece. If you want to leave like a comment or a question that you want highlighted on the pod, put it in there. I will include it. I promise. Again, if you want to see uh, you want to see that artwork, hit me up on Twitter. I'll show you. I just didn't want to just post it on there, but it is it is nuts. It's it's very good. Y'all, you'll you'll trip out. Um, but, again, thank you for listening to Striking Gold. I think that's all we got today. And as, as you know, all good things must come to an end. And for another episode, I'll see you guys. Uh, I'll be on here Sunday night after the game, and you guys will hear from it on Monday morning. I'll see you guys then. But for another episode, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out.